It is Friday on Daily Delivery. Glad to be back for another day and the final show of the week. Happy Carl Anthony Towns is eligible to be traded day to those who celebrate. Um, not saying that will happen anytime soon, but this is the day based on his contract stipulations that the Wolves big man is at least eligible to actually be traded. There's been plenty of rumors. There's been plenty of theoretical trades. Um, there's been plenty of good reporting suggesting that nothing is going to happen, at least not this off season. But we will see. That is uh, that is something that's at least a reality that can be that that can happen um, this day going forward. Lots to talk about on this show. Other than that, though, um, Bobby Nightingale Jr. from the Star Tribune covers the Twins. Will join me here in just a little while. Um, not quite a not quite a, a halfway point review, not quite an all-star review, but somewhere in between. Twins have three more games before the break, starting tonight against Baltimore, then the all-star break next week, then a pretty easy, forgiving schedule for the rest of July coming out of the break. Maybe a chance for them to create a little separation in the AL Central. They've started to play a little bit better, although Kansas City helped that for sure. But they've won five of their last six. And sometimes the negative with this team overshadows the positive. We've got to take a look at all that has gone well with this team, including the pitching and the offense maybe starting to show some signs of life lately. So Bobby and I will talk about that. And we'll talk about the upcoming Major League Baseball draft where the Twins have the number five overall pick starting Sunday. So we'll get to that here in a little while. Some Aurora news from Thursday. Um, First, though, what did I miss? If this was a concert, um, like a rock concert, arena, a big arena show, this would be the time when the musicians, whatever your favorite band was, um, took off their took off the the heavy equipment, took off the electric guitars and things like that, and grabbed grabbed an acoustic uh, guitar or two for a few songs. Going to slow it down here just for a minute. Not talking about anything that's pressing or immediately happening, but a couple things. That are that I've been thinking about. One prompted by a listener email that I'll get to here in a minute. The other, though, so my my latest obsession's the wrong word because I don't do this every day, but it's become part of my you know as I'm winding down at night. Maybe the kids are starting to fall asleep. I'm work, working to help them fall asleep, and um, I'm just kind of like sitting there on my phone, like, hey, what 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 should I check on? What am I up to now? As I'm kind of like winding myself down. Um, found this site thanks to some friends. Maybe thanks thanks is maybe too strong a word because um, it, it's another one of those kind of time sucks that 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 is is good, but you know I don't know if I need more of these. But a site called Immaculate Grid. I'm sure some of you have heard of it, and all it is it's it's very basic, which which appeals to me. It's just nine squares, nine squares of essentially baseball trivia but but not even trivia basically you're just matching teams in these squares you you basically you've got usually most days it's six squares where you're trying to remember and name a player who was on two different specific major league baseball teams so the grid might have um the twins and the yankees that's for example maybe a bad example that's bad memories for some of you but someone who played for both the twins and the yankees you have to think of that person make a guess and if you're right you the, the square gets filled in if you're wrong you don't you don't get that square for the day so the goal is obviously to get all nine squares filled in and usually one of the last like the last row is usually some sort of specific 
um, milestone, like, hey, someone played for the St. Louis Cardinals and hit 40 home runs in a season, something like that. So it, it's just this specific, it, it scratches this specific itch, I think, for, for longtime baseball fans. And I grew up, you know, primarily in the mid, mid-80s was kind of the heyday of my baseball card collection. I was, you know, 8, 9, 10 years old growing up in North Dakota, going down to the Mini Mart, buying a whole bunch of 84 Fleer. That was really the big, the first big year I collected. That was the, those were the cards that I remember getting the most. They were like 35 cents a pack, something like that. Um, I'd get a lot of those and I would, you know, organize my baseball cards by team. I would, you know, write down all the statistics from all the players and, you know, make, you know, kind of pit them against each other, things like that. Kind of like, you know, really early days, you know, pre-internet stuff like that, but like really early days of, you know, number crunching, things like that. I was really into that with baseball. But when they did that, I accumulated this like store, this wealth of seemingly and still probably fairly useless knowledge of all of these players from that era and beyond. You know, I'm still, I still enjoy baseball and into the 90s. I really remember a lot of the players from that era too. But it's like 80s and 90s. I have this kind of vast reservoir of, player player memories player statistic memories that i can now dig up and use on this immaculate immaculate grid like oh i'm remembering my cards who who played for the the tigers and the and the blue jays who played for you know these two teams things like that and it's surprising like how you pull something out of your mind that you never remembered or that you you thought maybe was lost forever so um it's like the other day it was asking for an orioles player who had 200 hits in a season and i'm like Orioles player, got him. For for some reason, I remembered Al Bumbry from you know from the eighties from from those Orioles team. I'm like, God, I'm pretty sure I remember him having a 200 hit season. I could not come up with for some reason anybody else, so I guessed him. And yet, in fact, it what he was one of the players. He was he, you you get a percentage of how many people guessed that player correctly that day and he was like a 0.3 so that's like your rarity score like 0.3 percent and that's kind of fun too you see if you have if you have come up with someone who is kind of rare and that's part of the fun of this so anyway if you haven't tried it if you really need something else in your life to um to occupy you in a certain way it's just it's harmless fun it's it's usually like a 10 minute 15 minute process every day if you don't take it too seriously, if you're not afraid to make wrong guesses, things like that, it, it it's fun. I found it to be quite fun. Um, you know, friends of mine on our on our group text, on our baseball road trip text group, have turned me on to it, and and I like it. It's fun. It's uh, it's something. It's something else. Something that scratches a particular itch for I think baseball in particular. I don't think we sit around and do this quite as much with old basketball players. Maybe some of you do old basketball players or old hockey players or even old NFL players like I, there is like you know this genre of just naming guys i think there's something to that with with old sports of old sports athletes things like that but i think that baseball in particular lends itself to that so check out immaculate grid if you get a chance i i'm i'm, in, I'm really enjoying it and i think i will going forward other thing time to check my social media yeah. just see who Yes, this is social media related, even though it was from an email from uh, from Jim from Jimmy at DJ Glove Repair on Twitter, 
Uh, he said he noticed that I called Twitter hot garbage the other day on the podcast. Wanted to know what I think of Twitter these days, where I think it's headed, how I view it now as a member of the media. Um, it's complicated, I think. It's an interesting question because I don't think I interact with Twitter in the same way that I used to. And I think in some ways that's healthy. I think I used to use Twitter too much. So maybe some of the changes on Twitter that have been ushered in uh, since Elon Musk paid $44 billion to buy it um, you know, several months ago. I mean, some of that has created some natural attrition on the site, myself included. Like a couple months ago, I uninstalled the Twitter app from my phone. I just don't use it as much. I don't find it as entertaining. I still find it useful to a degree, but I find it to be more transactional and less conversational than it used to be. I go there still to find breaking news. I go there to post things that I have written or talked about on this podcast, but I don't find myself engaging in it the same way as I used to. Um, you know, and some of that is, is some of the, the some of the new user rules, some of how that has transpired. Some of it's just people have left it and have made it a less interesting place to be. And, you know, maybe some of that eventually has streamlined it into a better business model. I think that remains to be seen. But as a user, I just find it to be a less interesting place, a, a still a less useful place than it used to be. I remember, you know, maybe at the, the heyday of Twitter, probably eight to ten years ago, maybe I would say, when it was still some some early adopters, but it was a lot of people had already joined and they kind of figured out the platform, things like that. It was a place to, you know, a pla- it was the place to be when you were watching a game. It was like your second screen. You were watching Twitter. You were, you were, you were, com- you were watching TV. You were watching a game. You were commenting on Twitter. You're having these dialogues. You were seeing people react in real time. I think that still kind of happens, but it's not, it's not the same experience. It's not the same. So I think that piece of it, I think there's a certain sadness that that kind of sense of community to it has eroded over time. And maybe some of that's just natural as the platform has been around longer, but I think some of it has to do with how it is being run these days and from the fact that fewer people are, fewer people that I know at least are using it and engaging with it that way. And if you lose that critical mass, you definitely lose that kind of sense of community. So that's kind of the the short to long answer. I don't know if where that, that clocks in in your mind, but that's, that's kind of, Jimmy, that's how I kind of view Twitter these days. I still think it's a useful platform. I don't know that I will join something else comparable to it. I, I think it's kind of a, a hard-to-replace kind of experience, but I don't think it's you know irreplaceable. It's just I, I can't imagine myself jumping into something else full force. I feel like Twitter is still kind of the thing for me until something else maybe emerges, but for now, I'm still on it. I'm still using it more than any other platform. I don't use Facebook that much, hardly at all. I installed that from my phone years ago. I use Instagram, but that's less for a professional reason, more for personal, you know, posting family photos, things like that, things that I find interesting. Twitter is still the place that I go primarily to post. And until until further notice, that that is where I am. Um, the Star Tribune does not make me be on Twitter. They've been very good about you know, telling reporters, leave Twitter whenever you want if you don't feel like there's value to it, if you don't like it, things like that. I still find value in it, so I'm still doing it. I'm curious how everybody else feels if you want to chime in. Um, find me on Twitter, at Randball. That's where you find me on Instagram as well. Or send me an email. Let me know, let me know what you think, how you are interacting with Twitter, and how that has changed over time. 
MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, premixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice-cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. Let's talk twins with new Star Tribune beat writer Bobby Nightingale Jr., Bobby was on yeah, two, three weeks ago when he had just started. But now, Bobby, you've covered a lot of games. You were there in Atlanta when they had their kind of closed door players only meeting. Rocco Baldelli kind of going off on the offense and the approach at the plate. Um, didn't get a whole lot better, at least consistently against Baltimore. But now these last three games against Kansas City, a sweep and a lot of runs in those games is everything solved now that they swept the Royals and have won five out of six or or where do you where do you think this team is at right now if they could play the Royals all the time a lot of things would be fixed um but yeah I mean I think the quality of at-bats has improved a lot since the closed door meeting they had I mean Rocco called him out I mean as hard as I I haven't been around the team forever but people who've been around Rocco the last since he became twins manager talked about he really hasn't been that forceful um publicly in the way he's talked about players the way he was that day so yes um, he criticized he criticized the offensive approach saying hey we're not making adjustments um you know they they got shut out by colby allard who it was like his first start in two years and he had eight strikeouts and um completely overpowered the twins so i think that was kind of like the okay that's something has to change the second half of the season um i mean they're striking out less even though they had last two games in baltimore they only scored two runs in those two games, I still felt like they're putting the ball in play more. They're doing a little bit more where they're more competitive at bats. The starters in Baltimore, they had to at least fight to pitch six innings, which um, hasn't always been the case. I think some pitchers have cruised against them in the past. So uh, I, I think even though the you play the Royals, you sweep the Royals, Royals are a bad team, no doubt. Um, I, I do think there are signs that it's like, okay, a switch has flipped at least a little bit in terms of the quality is better guys have more energy um and and, and that you know some bats are just heating up i mean it's a good thing when max kepler's starting to hit um byron buxton's hitting the ball really hard even if he's lined out a few times carlos correa is getting on base more so um it helps helps when your big hitters are doing well but I, i do think there has been a little bit of a switch what was the specific approach change are they like getting getting swings earlier in the counts because i know that was one thing that they that maybe we had noticed or that they had noticed about kind of how things were going or, or what what specifically have they changed to you know cut down on strikeouts to put the ball in play more to not be maybe in these you know in these negative counts that they've talked about well one i mean now that's a players led hitters meeting it used to be the coaches gave them this information the players sit there and okay here's you know how we want how the pitcher's probably going to try to attack you guys sure here's what you need to focus on now it's more player led and saying um and players say it kind of makes a difference just because like when they hear from Carlos Correa and Byron Buxton Royce Lewis before he got hurt kind of made the point saying if those guys say hey he throws a cut fastball but it doesn't really cut as much as you think it will and it doesn't cut as much as it looks like it would on video he's like that that means more to me than what I'm going to read in a scouting report um so I think I think that's made a difference in terms of like something that's tangible um but also like I Cutting down on the strikeouts, like Carlos Correa has even said, hey, but I, I can't be in two strike counts all the time. Um, I, I just need to focus on the ball, putting on the ball in play, be more of a hitter instead of a slugger. 
Uh, Royce Lewis kind of hinted at it before at the players only meeting saying, right. um, you know, the, the hitting coaches kind of said, get a pitch to drive. But he's like, if they have two, you know, you watch strike one on the outside corner um, and then you watch a breaking ball. Then it's like, OK, I, I, I didn't get a pitch to drive and I'm already in O2 count. And, um, you know, right. I kind of wasted the at bat. So I, I, I think it kind of was bubbling up and then it kind of exploded during the players only meeting. I'm, I'm sure players yelled at each other and got the frustrations out. Um, because you, you, a lot of players have talked about being more unified in terms of like supporting each other and um, more of a unified approach. But I, I think it's just more accountability is a lot of, a word that a lot of players have used to just saying now that we're leading the hitters meetings, you can't blame the hitting coaches. You can't blame the scouting reports. You're leading the hitters meetings. You're leading the game plan. So it's up to you to kind of figure it out. And so far, I mean, six games in, they, they've seen results from it. Yeah, and so they've got three more now against Baltimore. Um, Baltimore's been a surprisingly good team this year. The Twins did take two out of three in Baltimore. They had the big eight-run um, outburst, and then they won a one-nothing game in there. I believe that was the the really good Bailey Oberstar. And they've gotten some really good. I mean, in the midst of all this, all the talk of the hitting, the pitching has continued to be excellent. I mean, you had the the Joe Ryan uh, complete game shutout uh, about a week ago. Um, Pablo Lopez did that to the Royals on Wednesday. You had that Bailey Oberstart. Kenton Maeda has been really good since he came back from the injured list. I mean, that, that, that piece of the story has been pretty constant all year and has been probably some of the source of frustration with the offense. It's like, if the offense could just be average, this would be a really good team based on how good the starting pitching has been. Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of been the case for the Twins over the years. Has always been if they just had enough pitching, you know, they're always yeah. going to hit enough. If they just had enough pitching, um, they'd be a great team. And now they have it. The hitting kind of um, sunk them in the first half, but the way they've been pitching lately, I mean, Ryan Jeffers even said it after uh, Pablo Lopez's complete game shutout, where he said the way they're pitching, it's hard to lose. Um, you know, many games, and you know, it's, it's I saw the starting rotation since the players only meeting has the ERA point zero eight eight. Wow. Um, or 0. 0.88. So, 0. I mean, they, they've been yeah. dominant. Yeah. Um, and, and that's huge. I mean, it just – I think that's kind of what gives the Twins confidence going into the second half. Yeah, they're only two games above 500. Um, helps when you're in a bad division. But if you have starting pitching like that, I mean, going into the postseason, if you can win the division, you, you feel confident. I mean, going into any playoff series, if you have the starters that they have. So, um, I, I think there's a lot of confidence from that group. And starting rotation, I mean – Pablo Lopez even mentioned after his shutout that, hey, I saw Joe Ryan do it and saw how much the crowd was into it and thought, how cool would that be? Um, so, I mean, they're, they're feeding off each other. It's a good kind of healthy spirited, uh, not competition, but like I, I want to be as good as the last guy. And, um, you know, they're carrying the torch forward. And Luis Arias all the way down to 384. Maybe that trade, uh, maybe Twins fans will start to uh, to come around on on that trade a little bit, although – uh, I think it's maybe going to be a while till till that one feels like it's closer to even. Although I think the thing we forget about that trade is the Twins got a couple of prospects in that deal too. And 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 Lopez, I, I think you know I think Arise how good Arise has been has overshadowed the fact that Lopez has been good and has has been um, you know maybe not the the top of the rotation guy that they maybe envisioned because he's had a few rough starts, but showed what he could bring to this team with you know with what he did against Kansas City and can you know can can maybe be one of those rotation anchors for quite a while based on his age and his contract and and what he can do. 
Yeah, I feel like the deal gets better knowing he signed the contract extension. I mean, you, I think every start you see flashes of like, okay, this could be a completely dominant pitcher. Obviously, it came together against the Royals, but um, I, I feel like it's been one bad innings kind of been the story of his first half where it's like five good innings, one bad one, you know, six six innings, four runs allowed. That's yep. kind of that's kind of been the first half of his season. But um, in those five innings where he's really good, it's like swing and miss stuff. I think he's second in the league in American League in strikeouts. Um, so, I mean, how many how many Twins pitchers have they had maybe since like Johan Santana? Where, right. You know, you have a guy leading the league in strikeouts. So I, I, I think there's a lot to like there. Um, and there's a lot of like underlying numbers behind just below his ERA, more advanced numbers that say, you know, he, he's pitching a lot better than his ERA shows. Um, and, and it's a good sign for the second half if he can stay healthy. Speaking of healthy, um, missing a few guys right now, including in the bullpen, Brock Stewart, that was a, a was a blow because he had been so good. And Royce Lewis, um, you know, one of the guys that even when the team was slumping, he was up over 300, had supplied a lot of big hits for them late in games to kind of get, get wins to the finish line. He's out for, you know, maybe six weeks with that oblique, um, you know, but they've been able to kind of withstand that other people kind of picking up the slack, but how big is that injury? Uh, the, the Royce Lewis injury in your estimation? Yeah. I mean, it's a tough one. I mean, he's for a guy who's only played like 50 career games, he, his offensive approach and the way he plays, he looks a lot older than that. Um, provided a spark when everyone else was struggling. So, I mean, that, that hurts. Um, Jose Miranda kind of gets a second chance to to make up for his early season struggles. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that's a tough loss in, in terms of the lineup. Just a guy who can has has enough power to probably hit 20 homers in a full season, um, but also good enough to hit around 282 if he just wants to put the ball in play. Um, you, you, I think you still see the adjustments, like a guy who's missed a lot of time, still adjusting to major league pitching. So I think that bodes well for his future when he's healthy. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a, for, for an offensive struggling, you can't lose guys that are being productive hitters. And um, now you're, now you're asking Jose Miranda to step up along with, you know, Carlos Correa, Byron Bucks, and those guys have to hit to their usual standards. If Royce isn't in the lineup. Correa has been hitting lead off a lot lately. I don't get the idea that he loves that necessarily, but it seems to suit him. Okay. What, what do you, what, uh, what do we know about kind of that adjustment, both to the batting order and, and how he has approached that spot? Yeah, I think it's one of those kind of matches his approach. Like he's he's not hitting for as much power. I mean, he's having he's having a bad offensive season for his standards. So um, I, I think it kind of goes into his approach, saying, "Okay, I need to cut down on my strikeouts. I just need to get on base. Trust the guys behind me." Um, and, and so far, it's you know he had a four hit game the other night. So maybe maybe it plays into what he's trying to do right now. Um, if he gets into a rhythm, I wouldn't be shocked if he moved lower down the order and then, you know, can hit for power again and, uh, drive in some guys. But right now, I mean, I think the twins just need those on-base guys. And you, you talked about, you know, you lose Royce, um, Julian's been, Julian's been fine in terms of the leadoff guy. He's kind of suited there. Um, but you don't have a ton of like get on base guys. And then you, you do have a lot of power guys behind them. Um, but you don't have a lot of pure on-base guys. And if Craig can kind of fill that void right now. Um, I, I think that's the best thing for the offense. Yeah. And, they, you know, I think that maybe the other piece of frustration, I think, is that they, you know, in this division, which you know, they are only two games over 500, they're two games up on Cleveland right now. And, you know, nobody has really, you know, put a put such a big scare into them to to overtake them. But at the same time, the Twins haven't been able to create that kind of separation that they could have and really taken advantage of 
the weak division just because they've struggled in their own right. What you know, what is, what are the prospects for them creating some separation in the second half, or or like a, do you after after watching this team for a few weeks, do you think they have another gear where they can they can kind of run away with this division at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the big question going into the second half. They have a really weak schedule after the All Star break. I mean, they go to Oakland. Um, Seattle's been underperforming. Then you have White Sox, Seattle, Kansas City right after that leading into the trade deadline. Um, so I think I think you're going to learn a lot about the Twins over those two weeks in terms of can they beat up on bad teams? Um, you know, outside of the Royals, they've, they haven't had a ton of success against their divisional opponents, so they need to beat up on the White Sox. Um, Seattle will be a good test for them because, like the Twins, they're another underachieving team. Um, and, and it would be interesting to see how the front office reacts to it. I mean, are are they going to be true buyers at the trade deadline? Um, you know, you, you can look and say, okay, we're in first place, but, you know, how far are we from the Atlantas and the Tampa Bays that they got swept by in terms of, you know, being a World Series contender? Um, so I, I, I think you're going to learn a lot those two weeks. I, I think as long as they're pitching, you're always going to be in it. You're always going to have a chance. The offense is finally showing signs of life. We'll see how long that keeps up. Um but I, I think the talent's there to run away with the division. Um, it's just in terms of can, can the offense produce consistently enough. Is that where you think they would look to maybe make an addition by the deadline? I mean, you see, like, we see old friend Nelson Cruz just got DFA'd. I don't know if somebody else picked him up yet, but like, is a, a low leverage mover or something like that to to give them another bat? Is it the bullpen? It's definitely not the starting pitching. I don't think they're going to bolster that, but. Where, where do you think they would they, where they would be looking, assuming they are going to add, not subtract? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to look back into the bullpen. Um, like you mentioned, Brock Stewart being injured, um, Thielbar still out. So, I mean, there there are some holes in the back end of your bullpen. Jorge Lopez, um, back from the mental health injured list, but he hasn't been the setup guy that they want in front of uh, Duran. So, I, I do think there's kind of an opening there to try to, but I mean, every team could use solid relievers. I mean, that's right. the reason or all this Chapman got traded so early uh, to Texas. So um, that's something, and uh, probably a bat too. I mean, I, I know Royce Lewis is, the hope is he'll be back in six weeks, um, but obliques, obliques are tricky. I mean, they look at Caleb Thielbar, how long he's been out with his. So um, if he's out long-term, does that mean you need a third baseman um, or you're just another infielder um, to, help, to help out with, if protect yourself in case, Royce doesn't get back on schedule or um, just add a, another on base type hitter, which are probably easier to acquire than power hitters at the trade deadline. So um, I, I'd probably say those are the two relief pitcher and maybe one bat. A couple more things for you, Bobby. Um, this is probably more relevant to the 2028 twins, but the, the draft uh, is Sunday. The twins have the number five overall pick, um, you know, the kind of the new, the new system baseball is using, they moved up kind of from where their draft slot would have been up to number five. Um, that means they're going to get a good player. How, how do you think they'll approach, you know, kind of looking at how Derek Falvey and Thad Levine have approached past drafts? Um, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think they look for at number five here? Um, yeah, going into the draft, I mean, the, the kind of the draft pundits put it as a it's a five player tier uh, at top of the draft uh, two LSU players Dylan Cruz their outfielder and pitcher Paul Skeens um, Florida outfielder Wyatt Langford and then two high school outfielders Walker Jenkins and uh, Max Clark those are the top five guys elite prospects probably top 50 prospects um, after their pick so I mean the twins when they kind of won the lottery going from 13 to 5 
um, in the off season. So they're going to add a top 50 prospect if they draft one of those guys. Um, there's a chance they add, you know, they go outside the scope of the top five. Um, you know, there's, there's always financial reasons um, where you, you can save money in your first pick and use it for to improve your later picks, draft a better high school player later. Um, but yeah, I, I, they're in a really good spot um, in terms of advancing in the lottery from last year. If they draft one of the college guys, I don't think it'll be long. I mean, those three, um, two outfielders and a pitcher, it sounds like all of them be kind of slotted in a double A pretty quickly. Um, and it wouldn't be a shock if any of those three were in the big leagues next year. Um, and then the two high school guys aren't far behind. So, I mean, I, th I think there's a lot to like in this draft class. Um, some of it, some pundits say, you know, it's the best top of the draft class um, in probably the last five to 10 years. So, um, yeah, the Twins really lucked out to have a chance there. And um, they, also, they also have, I think, three picks in the top 50. So, I mean, the, the, it's, it'll be a nice boon for the farm system in terms of they made some trades, some trades that didn't go well last year. Um, you know, you trade a good prospect in the uh, Jorge Lopez trade. You lost Spencer Steer and Christian Encarnacion Strand in the uh, Tyler Malley deal. So a, a quick chance to restock the farm system. Well, it should be interesting to see what they do. And again, we don't see these guys for a long time. It's really the the kind of the guys that are, you know, the guys that are there right now and some of the guys they picked, again, four, five, six years ago that are really coming up right now. Um, I guess to that end, is there, it doesn't seem like there's been, you know, maybe there's a little bit, but do, is, is there any kind of immediate help on the horizon or have we kind of seen all the guys that we think they're going to maybe run through here as contributors this year? Cause we've got Miranda back up now, you know, you've seen the contributions, of some of the pitchers, anybody else waiting to, to help in the bullpen or is it Walner or who, who else might help this year? Yeah. I was going to say Walner um, is hitting well in triple a Trevor Larnock um, still doing still in triple a and playing well, well, um, Celestino and a center fielder, AAA. So, I mean, there's, there's some position player help. Um, bullpen, I don't know if you have a ton of guys that, um, like Louis Barlin's probably your starter depth if someone goes down. Um, but like Balazovic, they called up. He, he'd been one of their top pitching prospects and has kind of turned himself into a, a guy they see as like a seventh inning type reliever, kind of right before the setup man. So, um, those are probably your immediate prospects, I think. Like Brooks Lee was their first round pick last year. He's in Double A, probably a year away at this point. But um, so not not immediate help. But I, I, I think um, you know at least position player wise, if you wanted to injuries happen, Walner, Larnick are probably your your top two outfielder choices. Sounds good. Well, we'll be following the coverage this weekend against Baltimore. Then a break, and then like you said, some opportunities out of the break to maybe create a little bit of separation. Maybe put it on the front office to go and get a little bit more help, kind of like they did last year. They made some moves at the deadline last year, didn't necessarily work out, but they, they, they kind of were in a similar spot last year where it was a weak division and they thought they could compete. Um, we'll see if they do the same this year. Bobby, appreciate it. As always, follow Bobby Nightingale Jr.'s coverage, starttribune.com, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good stuff from Bobby. Um, I've been enjoying talking to him. He really He's really... Um, immersed himself in this beat already, even after just starting a month or so ago. You, know, you can find a draft preview uh, that he wrote about the Twins, startribune.com. That's at the top of the site as I record right now. I imagine that'll be pretty easy to find on Friday. So if you are curious about more draft info, check that out there. And you know, just a point, too, that as we talk more 
Um, the Twins pitching staff has been so good this year, and I think some of the hitting woes have naturally risen to the top of top of mind for conversation because it's been surprisingly bad in some cases, and it's cost them. Like they haven't been able to take advantage of this great pitching as much as they probably should have. But let's not lose sight of how good this pitching staff has been. Best ERA in baseball, number one in a lot of other categories. This has been an elite, elite pitching staff this season. And even if they regress a little bit, but we're past the halfway point. I mean, I think we I think we know they're a very good pitching staff, especially the starting rotation. Even if they regress a little bit, I think there's room for them to be a good second-half team. So let's not lose sight of how good that pitching staff has been. And maybe if the offense can hit a little bit more, we will appreciate it even more. Let us finish with the cooler, Minnesota Aurora. A little bit more of a struggle than they might have liked, but the women's soccer team advances in the uh, in the W League USLW League playoffs. One nothing win over Chicago City SC. That was in Flint, Michigan, on Thursday. Um, some pretty dominant wins over Chicago during the regular season, but they did just enough in this game. They will now advance to the next round of the playoffs, the Eastern Conference Finals, again in Flint, that one on Saturday against the Indy 11 at 2 p.m. So good for Aurora trying to win a championship last year, made it all the way to the title game before falling short. That was the only loss in franchise history, so they're trying to cap it this year with a championship. We'll see if they're able to do that. They play, like I said, on Saturday. That will do it for me today. Bunch of good stuff coming up on next week's uh, shows as well. Until then, enjoy the weekend. Back at it again with Roycey on Monday. <laughs>